Retro Hangover is supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, and Randall. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 79 of Retro Hangover. Hello, retro and classic gamers. Welcome to the podcast where we are parachuting pretty parasites prepped for puppies pissing pursuantly. This is episode 79 of the Retro Hangover Podcast. I am your co-host, Chris Copleen, with our Nintendo host, LP Tiger. And as always, your host, Shane Gelatinous mitochondrial dick dragon Koski. All right, kids, I-, I need to impart some podcast wisdom to you all right now, and that is it is a bad idea and ill advised to start drinking something as you are recording because there's a chance. It might go down the wrong pipe and then you just start coughing and you're trying to pretend that everything is fine right now. And that may be what I'm doing. So it's fine. T- take it from from Papa Shane. Don't don't do that. Everything's Bad. fine. Everything's fine. It's good. Screw it. <laughs> in case. Welcome, everybody. How are how are both of you doing in the fantastic best ever last ever episode of 2020? Is it? Is that true? I guess it is true. Yes. Shit, that is yeah, true. I guess so. This is well, the- I mean, this this episode is is topical and uh also festive. So Yippee Kaye, I'm, I'm all about it. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, I also, you know, performed my my annual viewing of the best Christmas movie ever uh, a couple days ago. So Parasite Eve. There you go. Uh yep, that's that's the one. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What was the movie? <laughs> uh, I want to know. Oh, I, I thought that was obvious. Okay, listen, my Christmas season does not officially begin until Hans Gruber plummets from the Nakatomi Tower. Okay, I, I would call it a Christmas movie. I'm not going to be one of those contrarian douchebags and say Die Hard is not a Christmas. Oh, is movie. this like the Die Hard thing that I keep hearing about? Yeah, it's fucking Die Hard, Tiger. Fine. Yes. Oh, okay. I've never seen that movie, so what? Sorry, un- uncultured guy over here. I've seen bits and pieces. Definitely. Of it. Stereotypical oh my man. god! Yeah. Oh my god! Actually, I'm more that. surprised that Chris hasn't seen it. I mean, I've seen it. I just don't remember it. I've probably seen the entire movie cumulatively. Yeah, come over to the West Coast. We'll have a few drinks, a few laughs. I haven't seen National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation either. Same. I I am less passionately involved about that movie <laughs> i think we just it is, lost it is still pretty good but i do think we lost half our viewership with the admission that neither mean or nor tiger have seen I mean, either of those movies it took me a 
it took me a few years like to watch let's say it took me a few years a few years ago i watched christmas story for the first time you you did a you did an amazing job of avoiding that (laughs) (laughs) every every year 24 hours a day on like a tbs or something something yeah well it helps when you just don't watch cable yeah like i don't know christmas movies me i don't really i don't know tiger are you are you like a are you a closet grinch is that what we're finding out here ah i've seen that movie plenty of times (laughs) the original by the way clearly the the, the superior jim carrey version (laughs) (laughs) clear we'll say i watched that uh clearly a few years ago and uh i wouldn't say that it was a great way to spend my time (laughs) (laughs) now cat in the hat now we're talking sonic the hedgehog okay like i don't know if you're saying that like ironically or not but i i actually liked that movie. that was that's a great that, movie that's a really good movie <laughs> it's be- yeah, it was better than it had any it. right to be i'm gonna be honest <laughs> also i feel like i need to clarify because we're kind of on this J- uh, jim carrey kick that i am fully aware that cat in the hat was mike myers i don't need any commentary from anybody about that i know okay i mean it's not christmas and it's not jim carrey so it just came up in my mind because it was another like god-awful movie where a, a man was dressed as some weird creature and would, would that make them technically terrifying both, would that technically make them both furries are they both furries i mean yes as far as i'm concerned yes okay is Grinch really that furry he's he's pretty, pretty furry. furry yeah he is oh, okay yeah i guess i didn't look that hard i, mean, I don't know because <laughs> what, what kind of not animals but they are furry i mean well the cat yeah. is the, obviously an animal the cat's an animal yes yeah i don't know about the French. <laughs> He's his own animal. The cat in the hat is not an animal. Changed my mind. <laughs> in any case, we are talking Christmas movies because we are playing a Christmas game. Technically a Christmas right. and New Year's Eve game in not just Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve, but Parasite Eve. But before we hey. get into the brief history of that, we will do our traditional thing because this is a season of traditions, for lack of a better term. Shane, what have yes. you been playing? What have you been up to? Uh, well, outside of a lot of Parasite Eve, let's see. What else have I been doing lately? Uh, still playing the 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 waifu simulator, Genshin Impact. So nice. that's fun. Yeah. I'm actually really happy with how I've built out my team now, so I'm I'm enjoying the the combat in that game quite a bit. I've also decided against what many may consider better judgment to uh, dive back into Star Wars: The Old Republic. I've been in, enjoying that quite a bit. I'm I think level forty on my uh, Republic smuggler right now. Uh, enjoying the the single player storyline honestly that's the reason that i kind of dove back into it i started playing it back in when it was in like beta and when it first released uh, and i got into level cap after release as a sith inquisitor i think um but there just wasn't a lot of end game content so i kind of gave up on it after a little while but the the strongest thing that that game really has going for it is the the storylines for each of the like eight classes that are that are in the game which on some level if you're a fan of Knights of the Old Republic it really just sort of it's a little bit bittersweet in that all it really tells you is that there really should have just been a, a KOTOR 3 which I'm still holding out hope for I would but give up for right now point. anyway the 
the the storylines in Old Republic are as close to a KOTOR 3 as I think we're going to get for the time being. Mm-hmm. But outside of those, um, that's that's kind of it. The, the only other thing I've been doing lately actually is sort of like swapping off, like controller swapping with uh, Brianna on Wind Waker HD as she huh. continues her noble quest to try to complete every Zelda game uh, ever with the exception of the multiplayer ones like Four Swords. We're, we're not going to do that. Nice, nice. I think um, you could do some yeah, Four Swords so stuff, she's made. She's actually made really good progress on that. What's that? I think you could do some Four Swords stuff. You could, but, you know, we won't. <laughs> I, I'm still trying to convince her to include uh, Link's crossbow training and that. I think that's key. I mean, if she's really dedicated, yeah, if she's really dedicated, man, I can come over and we'll get some Game Boy Advanced Link cables. We'll invite Tiger and... I have the Four Swords GameCube disc, and I know you have a Wii, and we'll have a good time. There you I'd go. I'd actually be down for that. See? There you go. <laughs> He's like, strangely, that seems interesting. That sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so she started playing that, and uh, it got to a point where... So she likes the Zelda games largely for like the puzzle solving and the adventuring sort of aspect of it, and less the... like platforming sections that end up showing up or some of the more intense like combat sections so for those pieces she kind of hands it over to me which i'm fine with because i'm 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 better at those pieces anyway so um, we've been kind of swapping back and forth which for me is a great way to experience wind waker because i've tried to start that game like three times and for whatever reason i could just never get myself to get through it so most of the time I'm just watching her play it. So I get to experience it that way. And then occasionally I'll jump in and, you know, kill some things and jump on some platforms and that that's okay. So, uh, so yeah, so that's me. Uh, Tiger, what about, what about you? What have you been up to lately? I will say that I've been really hard on my grind lately. Ooh. And ah. sounds hot. Video games have been, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Video he has games to have get been... that bread. <sighs> Yes, yes. Bread, cake, scrilla, you know. Ooh. Choose your... I'm all about the cake. Urban dictionary word. Uh, uh, Yeah, I haven't been playing very many video games lately. Uh, Besides, uh, you know, I got that message saying we're doing Parasite Eve. I was like, eh, I don't know crap about that game. Let me look it up real quick and see how long it takes. Ten hours, that's it? To beat this game? (laughs) I could roll through this game in like a few days, you know. So, uh, yeah, I played that. <laughs> but other than that, I've been working ultra hard at uh, providing uh, a highly touted customer service uh, to my Amazon customers <laughs> for uh, all those GameStop games that I purchased <laughs> for like, you know, 10 bucks. And now they're being thrown on Amazon for, you know, 20, 25, because that's how it works. I just told you my secret. That is my secret, everyone. So so Tiger has been spending most of his time playing Retail Arbitrage Simulator. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> we can make that a real game. And uh, that, the truly, truly could be a real game. Like, it, in my head, it is a game. And uh, I'm working on 100%ing or uh, getting that platinum trophy, if you know what I mean. Nice. nice. Yeah. I mean, isn't that what we were all playing when we were playing uh like what was that game drug wars or whatever back in like the early aughts on 
like the web-based game it was like congregate or something oh that that's really what it was that right? was web-based buy low sell high i didn't know it was web-based i mean i just played monopoly so <laughs> i just did drugs it was supposed to tell me how bad capitalism was but it only told me how to uh, use it to better myself <laughs> yeah okay i just did drugs shane just skip skip that middleman step and just go right into make it make drugs <laughs> make drugs not war but in terms of what i've been playing ogre battle 64 which has overstayed its welcome. It's ogre state its welf- welcome. Ha <laughs> ha. Boo. Boo. I, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> you're welcome. And I was told, if you go to a website called How Long to Beat, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you know of the site. But if you don't, it's a site called howlongtobeat.com, which tells you how long games are. I think I said this last week, but I'm going to reiterate it. I was told by that website this game would take 44 hours. That is a lie. That game that that is a lie. It is a bold-faced lie. I still have about 6 more missions to do, I think, and I'm at almost 60 hours. And it's holding up other things I wanted to do, extra audio content I was planning to record for our Patreon, which is bit.ly/rhpatron where you can join and listen to extra audio content. So extra Nice. Audio content I was planning to do for our patrons is getting held up by fucking Ogre Battle. This this game should have been over 20 hours ago. And it the worst part is it feels like it should have been over 20 hours ago. It's was great for the first 30 hours. And I'm like, it's it's time for this to uh, to, to kind of get to the fucking point. And it's not. So <laughs> there's that. And the other game I'm playing is called try to get an Xbox Series X with the all-access plan, and I'm losing that game horrendously. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, the dark souls of console yeah. purchasing. I'm getting... I'm, I'm an expert at this game, and yeah. I can tell you that, uh, yeah, I don't know anyone that has the all-access pass, uh-huh. nor <laughs> have I been even close to getting the all-access X. Oh, I was really close. So get this. I was really fucking close, and I was... ooh. Yeah. Oh, my God. So I logged on to uh, I went to the Xbox page where it had the all access shit. And I clicked on, you know, every single one that they have up there. There's the Best Buy one, the Walmart one, and the Target one. No luck on any of that shit, of course. And I finally make it to GameStop. And it said there's one left. And I clicked on Proceed. And it let me do it. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm going to get it. I'm going to fucking get it. I was so excited. And then it asked me for my password. And I typed something in. And it said, go fuck yourself. Yeah. I'm like, well, I'm going to continue yeah. as a guest. And I put in my email and it said, ha, 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 that email belongs to an account. Go fuck yourself. I'm like, OK, shit. Um, <laughs> fine. So I reset my password. I'm like, OK, I've already logged in. That means I have this reserved, I guess. So I'm going to proceed. I'm going to put in all my information. I do that. I hit next. And, and it said, ha, 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 this is sold out, you idiot. And it was a great time. <laughs> It's an excellent story. Man. The moral of this story, ladies and gentlemen, is use a password manager. Which I drama, I do for man. I do that for every other website. For some reason it didn't save it for GameSpot, so I still don't have anything. And it just it really bothers me because I go like Instagram and everyone has it. And you go to Facebook and everyone has it. Even people who go on social media all the time and bitch about how poor they are have both a PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X, and here I am without either. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> I, I just like that that was a very pointed comment, and I know exactly who you were talking about, but I'm going to leave that alone. 
Anyway, I suppose we probably ought to uh, talk about the the topic du jour, why why we are all here today. So um, I think this time we're going to let Chris uh, go ahead and give us the brief history of Parasite Eve. Who would have thought that 1998 Squaresoft, at the height of their reign over the video gaming landscape, would release a title that functioned as a sequel to an obscure Japanese horror novel? Capitalizing on the explosive growth of the RPG genre, contributed in no small measure by Square's very own Final Fantasy VII, as well as the emergence of a new and exciting survival horror genre birthed by Capcom's Resident Evil, Square would create a gory, sexy, and mature fusion of the two for the first time, in North America at least. That pulsating amalgamation of genre jelly would come to be known as Parasite Eve. Development on the game would start in 1997, with Hironobu Sakaguchi taking the helm as producer and Final Fantasy IV lead designer Takashi Tokita filling the directorial position. They would use the 1995 Japanese novel of the same name as the basis for their plot, referencing key characters and events from author Hideiki Sena's story. Rather than rehashing the Japanese locales of the book, Sakaguchi decided to bring Sena's unique brand of body horror to then-modern-day Manhattan. To fit this new motif, Sakaguchi would need a protagonist to match the city. Tough, but unmistakably alluring. Not finding satisfaction in the initial concept sketches, Sakaguchi would bring in Tetsuya Nomura of Final Fantasy fame to design what would eventually become Ayabrea, the strong, sexy New York detective who was more than capable of kicking ass in a little black dress and looking damn good while doing it. While Final Fantasy VII garnered much of its attention for its beautiful, at the time, cutscenes, Square would up the ante with Parasite Eve by employing the talents of actual film industry experts, going so far as to refer to the game as a cinematic RPG. Cherry-picking the arguably better elements from both RPG and survival horror combat mechanics, Parasite Eve's battles effectively paused the world around the player, taking place in-world, thus eschewing the notion of a separate battle screen and in real time. While in this time-stopped battle bubble, the player takes actions based on a now-familiar active time bar system while attempting to outrun and outmaneuver their opponent's attacks. Outside of combat, RPG veterans will note the inclusion of character experience and leveling system, ability point allocation, and equipment upgrading, while those familiar with Resident Evil will see its influence in the character controls, careful inventory management, items storage system, and in-world items functioning as save points. Parasite Eve would be released on March 29, 1998 in Japan for the Sony PlayStation and September 9, 1998 in North America. The game received generally favorable reviews, though some outlets noted its relative linearity, limited replay value, and brief completion time as minor detractors. Despite its comparatively lukewarm reception when sized up against many of Square's other releases, Parasite Eve would go on to sell nearly 2 million copies worldwide. That success would result in two additional sequels, a reissue as part of the PS1's Greatest Hits line, and a re-release on the PlayStation Network in 2010 for the PS3. And that is your brief history of Parasite Eve.
All right. Thank you very much, Chris, for that brief history of Parasite Eve. I, I think maybe we should start with either myself or, or Tiger uh, regarding personal experiences, because I think Chris is going to have more to say on it than either of us. So, uh, Tiger, I'm going to throw you under the bus. Bring it, baby. Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, so when Parasite Eve first came out, uh, I was uh, when we said like that when the date that it released, I was like 15 years old. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, I was like, how the heck did I play this game if it was a rated M game? And, you know, I, I guess my parents were with me when I was at Blockbuster or something. Uh, but I remember getting this game and thinking it was the most awesome thing i mean it was after final fantasy 7 and we were already like oh my gosh full motion <laughs> video in our video games we were so excited so <laughs> it was another game people. with full motion video yeah yeah so like uh, i was totally just excited to play this game um due to the fact that it was a mix of resident evil and pretty much final fantasy 7 and uh i rem- <laughs> i remember specifically being slightly uh excited about the fact that i was looking at boobs <laughs> in a video game yes and i was like oh my gosh i i don't know how to feel right now <laughs> you knew how to feel and you got to the uh, you got to the you got to the last fight with uh with eve and you were just like damn some big old titties but she ain't got no nipples where are her nipples <laughs> That's the thing, like, I never, as a kid, I never got halfway through the game. (laughs) So, like, us doing this episode was a reason for me to, like, revisit it. But, like, I didn't, I remember getting stuck. Either I got stuck or, like, you know, I hit my three days or five days of rental and I had to take it back and I never played it again. Mm. Uh, But... I remember it being a, uh, one of those games that I had to finish one day in my life. Uh, but I never did, you know, until like a few days ago. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, but yeah, that that was my experience. Uh, my the biggest memory being uh, the boobs. Uh, so uh, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So uh, Shane, how about you? I had no idea that this was a thing uh, at all until Chris brought it up. I want to say it was maybe sometime last year or very early this year. I don't know when the first oh, time I, was that he mentioned it, it but year. I had no idea that this was even a thing. And then he was like, yeah, this is a pretty good game. Like you should play it. You'd probably like it. And I was like, cool. Yeah, I'll do that. Like I did the same thing that everybody does when someone's like, Hey, have you seen that new show on Netflix? And I was like, no. And they're like, Oh, it's so good. You got to watch it. And then you say that thing that everybody says where they're just like, Oh man. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna put that on the list. <laughs> which is like I have that list translates I have that list. to I'm never gonna fucking watch this yep <laughs> um but no so I I kind of did the same thing but uh but no I, I I had no idea um and I also had no idea that it was based on a book and also there was a movie and there's like two or three other games or any of that uh, so my experience with it was like literally last week. How about you, Chris? <laughs> that's that's awesome. Let's go. So Bring it, it took you one week to finish Parasite Eve, a game that goes over one week. Yes, I was. Uh, yeah, I was LARPing. Nice. I, that would be an awesome LARP, by the way. <laughs> we should try that sometime. My personal experience <laughs> just burst into fucking flames. But my personal experience is 
is almost just like almost exactly like Tigers. The thing is, I don't know. I can't remember if I had this game or if I had, I don't know, like if I rented the game, like I don't remember. And I think it was like when I was going through my Goodwill purchasing spree a couple of years ago when you would get games for like four dollars from the Goodwill site on eBay and they come complete. I, I bought the game again, but I didn't touch it until last year. But I remember when it came out, uh, just like Tiger, I think I, I played about halfway through the game. And I, I wasn't as fascinated by the boobs because I I had become more familiar with the Internet by then. So I'd, I've been seeing a lot of boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. I had more refined taste. Yeah, my boobs, the 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 nippleless boobs didn't excite me. It was the boobs with nipples that got that got me up and ready to go and 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 hard for more adventures. <laughs> but I I do remember I I was ultra sheltered as a child. <laughs> Leave me alone. They feel like bags of sand. <laughs> unless they're unless they're fake, then they feel like water balloons. But as that's that when I was a kid. Anyway, moving forward. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. So I, I played this game. It was more about just being excited about exactly pretty much what Tiger said again is this is Squaresoft. And this was at the height of Squaresoft just churning out bangers, in my opinion, anyway. I mean, a lot of people don't like Saga Frontier, but I love Saga Frontier. You had that. You had Final Fantasy Tactics. You had Bushido Blade. You had Brave Fencer Musashi. You had the, uh, I think there was a demo of Final Fantasy VIII released in the first version of this. Yep. And yep. you just had yep. all these different titles. Uh, Xenogears was also uh, the, the video or a demo of that in there as well. But you, like, Square was just game after game after game after game, and they were all so good. And then I got to Parasite Eve. I started playing it. I was like, uh, this just seems like, uh, it's not like the high fantasy kind of, setting i was looking for back in 1998 as as a 13 year old i was still mad at final fantasy 7 for not having castles and dragons <laughs> so eventually <laughs> i put it down because it it wasn't it wasn't scary like resident evil was scary and it it just it wasn't an rpg like i wanted it to be an rpg so i put it down and then i don't know what caused me to do it but like shane said i picked it up last year and i'm like huh i fucked up but uh, we'll get more. We'll get more into that later because yeah, I, I did ex play it then. And I realized that yeah, I mean, I should have probably played it back in 1998. With with that said, I want to add on like you said, you were turned off by the modern setting, and I think um, I actually like that because I wasn't really a fantasy kid. But I mean, I was into somehow I was into Final Fantasy. But like, I think it was the cartoonish graphics that really uh, put me in there because I liked cartoons. Um, but right. uh, being in America, I thought that was really cool. I was like, oh my gosh, this is New York City. Like, it's yeah. in my home. <laughs> my home. <laughs> you know what? That's it could right, happen man. here. <laughs> so that that really and, and, and anyone who lives in anyone who lives in Jacksonville knows is exactly like New York City. There is no <laughs> difference. Yeah. It's true. We got buildings, cars, and people. <laughs> They're all here. Come on down to Jacksonville. We got buildings. <laughs> and meth. That, that's where all the trailers are. Anyway. But that's a great transition into the plot of this game. Meth? 
which <laughs> does take plague. <laughs> math. It's crazy like math. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, the game did take place in New York, but that this is part of the plot. I, it, I think that's you're absolutely right, man. But that's one of the best reasons to go. That makes Parasite Eve unique, especially for a late 90s game, especially for an RPG is not, it doesn't give you a generic made up weird city like Raccoon City. It's it's New York City. Hey, what? <laughs> I mean, what do you mean? Hey, we, hey, creativity, man. <laughs> Don't shut it down. Colloquially known as Trash Panda Town. Sure. But like you're using a real setting and a real place that a lot of people can relate to one way or another. If you're not living there, you can relate to that based I mean, on what you see know, in the media. We know what city they meant. Yeah. Pittsburgh. <laughs> what? Yeah, are you talking about Raccoon City? Or- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Never mind. Go on, go on, go on. He's Chicago. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that's that's more similar to New York City and fucking Jacksonville, for Christ's sake. But, you know, you, you got you got something and you don't usually you don't usually see that in a Japanese RPG. You don't you don't really see that in any RPG, like using a real city, a real setting, a real place or even video games in general, especially in 1998. And that's just the start of the plot. I mean, the plot itself. I'll let Shane start on this because the plot's fucking bonkers. Have you ever wondered if the cells in your body would rebel against you? No. Great. I mean, to be fair, it's not the whole cell. No, it's the powerhouse (laughs) of the cell. (laughs) The powerhouse? That's right. No, so, okay. To its credit, this is one of the few games I think I've ever played where within the first, let's say, 15 to 20 minutes, I like audibly muttered to myself, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) That does not happen often. I, I am a grizzled veteran of the intertubes, so I can usually take a lot, but I was not expecting the cutscenes that this game has. Yeah, the uh the plot is interesting. It's it's with you know, we don't need to go into a lot of exhaustive detail, but suffice to say, it goes into a lot of very suspect pseudoscience about how the mitochondria is is the real MVP and that perhaps <laughs> we the humans are the parasites all along. And uh what if your mitochondria gained sentience and tried to actually murder you? And just just let's throw out a quick disclaimer here if you just joined us because the last couple episodes had like no spoilers involved. There will be spoilers. Yeah, the game's like almost 25 years old. I don't yes. care. that There might be a... T- Thank God. I was like, do I have to watch what I say? No. <laughs> 22-year-old game? <laughs> no. Oh, no. no. <laughs> Listen, just go pause the episode. Go take like... <laughs> 10 hours, play the game, and then just come go back. on YouTube real <laughs> quick. Watch all the video. Yeah, Not, I mean, <laughs> watch a long play. Oh, to be fair, sidetrack. And uh, I looked on how to long to beat, and it said 44 hours for Ogre Battle 64. That's a lie. You did not see that only six people were pulled, and that the, the quickest time was 33 hours, and the leisure time was 62. Yeah, that's so, the thing, man, is how long to beat is crowdsourced. <laughs> so sometimes <laughs> those total numbers shit. are a little. A little suspect, but anyway, yes, <laughs> the plot of Parasite Eve. So you essentially, yeah, it, oh yeah, it starts out right off the bat with um, 
Aya Brea out on a date with some dude, and she's take she's she's going to the opera with some dude who's obviously trying to. The impress guy's her. a fucking tool, by the way. He is a tool. I do. I I don't. I don't necessarily. I'm not going to say I feel sorry for the dude, but I'm kind of curious. They don't specify whether or not he died. Or he just like just fucked <laughs> off. They never talk about him I ever again. I want to know how he survived. He's the only one no, they, besides her that survived, right? That's not true. You no, see a lot of died. people escaping. Everyone died. Every, didn't say that. Uh, Everyone I guess. Died. I don't know. Well, okay. So it's assumed that people escaped, but I mean, it's also it it beats into your head that it says everyone died but you, Aya. Yeah. What the hell? But that doesn't make sense with the cutscene. So, in any case, yeah, they're at an opera. And the lead singer of the opera starts just going batshit crazy, and then everyone starts lighting on fire. That's that's what we're referring to. It, it, the, yes. the weird thing is she's taking it really well for someone who just saw everyone <laughs> get... If everyone did indeed die, or just, like, people died in general, she's taking it really fucking well. Like, yeah, this ain't shit. This is fucking Tuesday. Train, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I Abrea, baby. This happens in New York every day. I don't know what the fuck y'all talking about. <laughs> <laughs> She's from the Bronx, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so that happens. And like she runs into a like she goes chasing after this this crazy bitch um, that was singing. And then she runs into a clown that lights on fire. And you see all these corpse <laughs> dead bodies and shit and parrots that say weird shit to you. And I don't know. Like I could understand like Shane right off the bat looking at this like saying what the fuck, especially when the rat turned into some sort of strange dog monster and that's the boss. The, Dude, the, like, it happened before that, okay? The the moment that that chick started singing in the opera and then all of a sudden people just started spontaneously combusting. I was already like, what the fuck is happening right now? Why is any of this happening? And then as soon as yeah, then we get to like the rat transformation and it just, man, it, it just goes off the rails from there. Yeah. Like, not in a bad way. Like, I, I loved it. Like, this is some, like, grade A, B movie shit right Absolutely. Here. <laughs> a, B, honor roll. That's right. I don't, I, I'm not a scientist. I'm pretty sure nothing in this game makes any sense scientifically or is even plausible. <laughs> but goddamn, does it sound good. When they're explaining, which is fantastic yeah. because they spend so much time in cutscenes with dialogue trying to exhaustively explain why this is happening from a quote unquote scientific perspective. That I, the thing is, is there are some like grains of scientific truth that are interwoven into this explanation they're trying to give, but the the main crux of it that you know the mitochondria is this thing that evolves at like a 10 times faster rate than humans and it's been around forever and it's gained sentience and gives people the ability to basically use like force lightning or whatever um is of course complete donkey kong batshit bananas but there's like just enough science in there that you're looking at it you're like huh okay well you know maybe i don't know the, the mitochondria might might be strong enough to cause a revolution inside your body, turning into you like an octopus lady with extremely large, mm -hmm. tall hands that just goes melting people whenever they see them. Except yep. for animals, apparently. They, they, they turn into creepy, weird monsters. They don't melt into goop. Right. Well, isn't it controlled by her? Yeah, that's kind of the thing is like she's yeah. able to basically do she's, whatever she wants. I mean, if you want to yeah. talk about the fucking pseudoscience, let's talk about the fact that... The skeleton of a T-Rex 
even with the <laughs> mitochondria, cannot growl because it doesn't have vocal cords. I mean, that would be I awkward, mean, though. Actually, that'd be more terrifying. Just a silent ass T-Rex skeleton stalking you. Are you kidding me? But isn't like a... I mean, the cells cells can create whatever they want. Like, well, not whatever they want, but like if if they have the DNA of a T-Rex... Why can't they create? No, my point is, if you're looking at that particular cutscene, that mitochondrial yeah. goop shit, it yeah. just starts latching onto that thing's legs and its tail starts moving already when the goop has not reached it yet, which already doesn't make sense. No. And then it starts. You just don't like, understand science, bruh. That obviously that, you know what? That's what it is. I need to join more <laughs> Facebook mom groups and figure out what science really is. United Karens of science. <laughs> Uh, but in any case, I don't think we've disclosed this, but I is a cop. Okay, that's why she she can Oh, is she? She can do we, she can do I, things with I her guts. I think we said that in the brief history. Well, <laughs> well we're reiterating it. We're She's talking a about strong, the sexy cop, Chris, Detective. who don't need no man. She don't she don't need no she man. She sure don't. But she elbowed that guy real hard. She shoulder checked the fuck out of that dude. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. But anyway, throughout the plot, she meets up with her, I guess, is it partner or supervisor? Daniel. And uh, it's her partner. It's her partner, Daniel. And they go, you know, be be bopping around looking to figure out what the fuck's going on. with you know, the the crazy melty, melty, melty lady. And uh, Daniel Daniel is best character, by the way. I just want to put that out there. Yeah, his 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 introduction in the game is him coming in and just sucker punching a reporter. And then then his wife gets melted, but his son doesn't. And uh, that's for the that's, right. that's that's for the lulls. And then they run into. <laughs> oh, no. Then they run into Maeda, who's a scientist from Japan who experienced who, who was apparently experienced the events of the first novel. That's how that's why he's there. And he somehow. Wait, wait, wait. what? I want to point out the the scene where he first shows up. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and how pointless it was for it to happen, because it doesn't make sense in the context of the story. That this dude catches on fire randomly in between mm-hmm. two cops. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, they just had to throw that in there because he says, go back to your country or speak our <laughs> speak our language or go back to your country. My God. Yeah. And then he catches on fire. So I thought that was a great little scene there. <laughs> I also just appreciated that the other New York beat cop just somehow knows how to speak fluent Japanese. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> also, nice the other scene. part of that scene that I really enjoyed, though, and I think maybe I mean, it partially could have just been because the guy that spontaneously combusted was like the xenophobic asshole. But yeah, uh, as soon as he bursts into flames, that's where Maeda is just like, well, I guess this is my time to fuck off. <laughs> and he just takes that as an opportunity to leave. It's great. That was a great scene. But he, he knows yeah. he knows yeah. all about it. And then they run into the crazy doctor, Hans Klamps. Clamp. Hans Clamps, who apparently uh, took a.k.a. Hojo Hojo. Yeah. Took body parts <laughs> from from Aya's twin sister and put it in crazy opera singer lady. Yes. Liver cell cultures, to be exact. Yes. Which is why opera cell crazy lady ended up going crazy because Aya has the evolutionary traits of the sentient mitochondria. This is why she's immune right. to so, everything that crazy lady does. Right. And, and so we mentioned it in the in the history, but one of the important things to re- remember about this game is that it is canonically a sequel to a novel yes. that was released, uh, well, initially in Japan. I think there is actually a copy you can get in North America now. But 
so it, it alludes to the events of the novel um, that occurred in Japan. And so one of the things that ties these two together is that you do find out over the course of this game that um, Aya and her twin sister were, I believe, related to the basically patient zero over in Japan. And so she was like the progenitor of of the the Eve thing. And then that got passed on to them. And then through some like bullshit of like organ transplants with somebody getting an eye, I think. And then also like the liver transplant shit, like those powers got transferred to other people. And that's how the opera singer lady got it. And it's, it's a little convoluted, but it's all connected. <laughs> it's all connected. Can, can I just say too, for, for a 1998 game, it's it's really weird when you when you start hearing phrases like she's trying to fertilize herself with sperm because that's essentially oh yeah yeah, yeah that's essentially all that uh, so the opera singer's name's Melissa she becomes Eve so that's all that Eve is trying to do she's trying to get pregnant she's just so yep. I I don't I don't know if she tried to seduce any dudes I can't remember I think she did right like no no no, no. no. she just no. straight up was like no I'm just gonna self inseminate I'm just gonna make find the, the ultimate popsicles. being yeah just gonna find the pops yeah. pretty much. I felt Which, like that would have that probably would have been too much. That's probably what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But like, nah, that's too much. Let's just have them break into a hospital. Yeah. Grab some semen. Yeah. Well, honestly, the thing that, and not that sailors. caught me the most off guard about that, by the way, is in the hospital when you go into one of the elevators, if you examine there's it's you could it's easy to miss because it's a clear tube, but there's a tube on the floor of the elevator, and if you examine it, Ooh. you're just like, oh, this is one of those sperm tubes that Eve is after. And I'm like, gross. Uh, right. So I feel like we should Good probably one. move on to talking about some of the other <laughs> topics here. Otherwise, we might be here a while. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, great, great B-movie show. To be fair, I was going to say, most of this game is truly about the story. And yeah. I want to say that 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 is the... That is the Number one thing that sticks out in regards to this game, in my opinion, like, I, I would agree. If you don't like the story, yeah. if the story doesn't like uh, reach out to you, then you're probably not going to have a good time. And that's in my opinion. Yeah, you got to appreciate B movie schlock. You got to appreciate appreciate it because if you don't, you're you're not going to appreciate this. Like like Tiger said, the narrative of this game is is intrinsically important to its enjoyment. And that's one of the things that we mentioned in the brief history that a lot of critics at the time that didn't like this game blamed its linearity. Mm -hmm. But because this game is so story driven and it was the, quote, cinematic RPG, its linearity is is kind of intrinsic to the overall experience. It's intrinsic to the how the plot is told. And even if the plot is just bonkers and nuts and B-movie bullshit that's why you're playing it. It, it. It's to have a streamlined experience and like you're playing a movie. It's a cinematic RPG. It's not an epic world spanning Final Fantasy. No, it's it's meant to be streamlined. It's meant to be short. It's meant to be delivered and experienced that way. Yeah, but I mean, which is not to say that the, the actual, you know, gameplay that you experience during that is not interesting because I think they did some some good things with it. Oh, absolutely. I would agree. So take it, take it from your shame. What did they do with it? Yeah. So, um, I think, you know, kind of, we alluded to in the brief history, but one of the things that I appreciate about the game, and it was something that actually sounded like might have been a detractor, at least for Chris initially, 
um, and maybe some other folks back in, you know, 97 and 98, uh, was that it's not what you would expect from Squaresoft necessarily in, and it is not just a straightforward, you know, turn-based RPG. Um, but at the same time, it's also not just straight up Resident Evil either. It's this, um, fusion of the two, which coming to it now, at least I can't say what 1998 me would have said, but, uh, I actually appreciate it. It's not without its faults, but the, the battle system that's kind of at the core of the, most of the gameplay, uh, in Parasite Eve is this like interesting hybrid where rather than hitting a random encounter and transitioning to a completely different battle screen, which is what most of those RPGs tend to do, it all occurs right on the same pre-rendered background that you're in. So it's, it's in world. Uh, and then, you know, your random enemies will show up and it's all in real time. So you actively have to be running and dodging attacks while also timing your own attacks based on, you know, the, the ATB, the attack time, uh, active time bar rather. Uh, so it's this interesting hybrid between the two. For the most part, I thought it was engaging enough because it's not just a straight up turn-based thing, but I do have some qualms with kind of how it's implemented, but I can probably get to those in a second. So I don't know. Did you guys have any thoughts on how you felt about the the battle system? I, I personally liked the fact that they stuck with a, like a, like an active time battle or is that what an AT beam stands for? <laughs> active time battle. I always, uh, I would say active time battle too, but I think bar is yeah. the correct one. Yeah. But, um, uh, you know, being a fan of Squaresoft games, I, I wanted it to, well, be quite honest. I really didn't know what to expect. I, it came off very resident evilly and, you know, okay. I have a description for this. It's like Squaresoft cultured resident evil cells and <laughs> mm-hmm. they put it the powerhouse into a of final the fantasy. Evil cells. They put mm-hmm. it into a Final Fantasy host, and they uh, created their own ultimate being. Oh. Uh, yes. Uh, mm. so <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, yeah, so I like the fact that it was like a, a gun game. I was saying like a Resident Evil gun game. That's probably what I called it back then, where you control this character. And I absolutely hated the controls on Resident Evil. So I appreciated the fact that they had the control scheme was like, you push up and you go up. What? Yay. Somebody didn't like <laughs> tank controls? No. Crazy. <laughs> I've never yeah. heard that one. So, and I also liked the fact that I, um, since I was choosing to attack a character, I could also move around and dodge them. And that was like a brand new thing at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, used to Final Fantasy, you're stationary, you can't dodge anything, it's just random. So if I, I can choose to use haste and uh, run a little bit faster to dodge these things, I could uh, if I wanted to. So um, I really enjoyed that part about the battle system. I had to. I would have to say the same thing. And when and when I really sit down and start thinking about the evolution of of their RPG battle system, I didn't see this back in 1998. Obviously, I think I was more expecting a, a Resident Evil game because Resident Evil Two was either out by then or just about to be out when this game was released in North America. So Resident Evil Two was was really being propped up. I wanted a scary game. This game is just weird and creepy. I wouldn't call it scary though, just because the way it's designed. So that right. could be another reason I, I probably didn't latch onto it but the battle system itself when you look at the evolution from final fantasy uh to chrono trigger this feels like the natural step forward from that because what you have in the final fantasy system you have the you go to the battle screen you fight the enemies on the battle screen then you get out and then you have the pretty much the same template in chrono trigger but you fight them in the environment in which you encounter them yeah 
And your position on the environment is dependent on what kind of abilities you can do and what enemies you can hit under certain texts and situations like that. If you don't know what I mean, go check out Chrono Trigger. And then you get to Parasite Eve, and no, now you don't have a party anymore, but you still have a lot of the same functionality and control that you had in Final Fantasy and Chrono Trigger, and your abilities are dependent on what your positioning is relative to the enemy. So in a way, this is the natural evolution forward for, for Squaresoft, but, you know, they they didn't want to put it in the Final Fantasy series and said they would give us the draw command. So I think when you think about what Parasite Eve really is doing, I think this is a bold, progressive step forward for RPGs and what Square was trying to accomplish, even if it was trying to push it as something different, like a survival horror RPG experience that was more in tune with action games. But now you look at it concurrently with modern games, you can see that maybe Parasite Eve's influence did change, uh, did alter the the course for, or provided lessons for what the foundations of future Squaresoft and Final Fantasy uh, games would be providing. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's accurate. Uh, I, I will say, so I'm going to get to getting into a little bit of the nitty gritty on the systems. There, there are some things that I wanted to point out. Y'all are free to disagree or agree as you see fit. Um, overall, I like I said, I thought the battle system was pretty pretty neat. I, I enjoyed it by and large. One of the issues that I did have though is that even though it gives you the ability to sort of actively dodge enemies, I kind of felt that like ninety percent of the time that really just translates to you running around like an idiot yep. and hoping you don't get hit. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is also compounded by the fact that because the battles take place in world rather than a set alternate like screen, there are many occasions in the game where a battle will occur in a spot that is cramped as fuck yeah. and there is no way to reasonably dodge an enemy and so you just need to take hits and heal yeah. through it and that's it. Which kind of sucks. Um, it also defeats the purpose. Right. Um, so that I wasn't super into. Uh, but again, I guess, you know, given that this was more or less a first foray into this kind of a system, I guess I can give them a little bit of leeway. It's not going to be perfect. You're on your first outing. I get that. Um, I will I will say that for that instance, I pretty much said, oh, okay, so it's just like being an old RPG again. <laughs> pretty <laughs> no much, yeah. yeah. You're just going to get hit, yeah. Yeah, I guess you could look at it that way, yeah. Uh, and so I guess this kind of then dovetails into a larger discussion of like the just the game mechanics as a whole in that the game is real easy, like really easy. And this is coming from me. If If you've listened to the show enough, you know that I, with one probably major exception being Dark Souls for whatever reason, I can't explain that one um it is just what it is but outside of that I, I tend to prefer to play games on the easy setting because i just like to experience the story rather than the challenge as it were so coming from the person who prefers easy mode i am telling you this game is too easy <laughs> that, i would say that comes with an asterisk like the game, okay. the game is easy if you understand and exploit its customization. Yeah, that I would say that I actually had a difficult time because of the fact that I did not understand uh, the the add ons to the mm -hmm. gun as well as I thought I did. 
So here's how I went in. in uh, I don't mean to take away from you, but like just real no, quick, here's how I went in to these add-ons. I saw times two. That means you can shoot twice. Right. Then I saw a gun with times five. Ooh, you can shoot more in one go. <laughs> uh-huh. So I oh, want yeah. the one with times five, right? Uh-huh. Right. So I did it and it was weaker. Why is it weaker? <laughs> okay. Uh, it's the same gun. It's the same bullets, but it's weaker. No, because your attack number represents the number, uh, the, the power of the gun, regardless of how many times it shoots. So you're supposed to choose X2 rather okay. than X5. So, so like, I was not going to talk about off. that yet, but now that you've brought that up, we're, all right, yeah. strap in kids, because we're about to go into a mechanics <laughs> deep dive. All right. So. That's only, that's one thing out of all the other things. But yeah, I'll let you go on. <laughs> go for it, man. Yeah, no. So, all right. That is actually, uh, that's a good point in that, uh, if you don't understand how that works, you're going to have a bad time. So I definitely agree. And the reason for that is completely counter to what anybody would assume and what Tiger just said, which is exactly what he thought, which was you see, oh, this gun shoots twice per round, but this one shoots like five or seven. Or if you get one of the machine guns, they go up to like 10. And you're like, Clearly, that's better. I do more shoots and things die faster. Uh, no, in practice, that is 100% wrong. And here's why. Because the more shots that Aya takes in a turn, the more she is rooted in place while she's taking those shots. And there is no invincibility frames during this time, which means if you are standing there taking five, seven, ten shots in a turn and you have even one enemy, but especially if you're facing off against multiple, which you do most of the time, those enemies are free to just whoop your ass the whole time. Yeah. And they will. And so counter to any sort of logic that you would apply to it, times two and at most times three are actually going to be the better weapons because you can pull off shots quicker and then be able to start moving again to dodge. Now, The thing about the shot damage mechanics, though, that I wanted to point out, because this is actually something that I saw coming up in several different forum threads, even in some walkthroughs and some of the retrospectives that I watched on YouTube. And this is apparently a very common misconception. So, you know, I feel like I need to clear this up for a 22 something year old game as if it matters. It does matter. The The game real to me, damn it. it. Um, But no, so. The, the common misconception is that if you have a multi-shot gun in this game, so let's take the times two, for example, all it does is takes your total damage, you know, for your weapon and then just splits it in half. And so each shot does 50% and you're not gaining anything from that. Yeah, and so therefore, that was my assumption. that's not true. That's worse, but that's not true. Yeah, at all. Actually, what it's doing is with a 2x, it's actually 60% of your total damage per shot, which means if you're shooting twice and you hit both times, you are effectively getting 120% damage or a 20% damage bonus per round. And so there's sort of like this break point where you need to figure out how many shots can I reasonably take to gain this percentage bonus to your damage without also standing there like an idiot and getting punched in the face while you're taking seven shots in a row. 
And so that's why the times two or the argument could be made for a times three at most is actually your like ideal sweet spot for this game. So I, I feel like I needed to point that out. No. So with okay. that said, if I used the times three, it would give the same damage because I guess what I saw was when I was using the machine gun, mm-hmm. like I had a times five and it was giving eight damage as opposed to like a handgun that gave like 20 damage. Oh, well, machine guns are machine guns are I'll, I'll just say this machine guns in this game are pretty much fucking worthless. I didn't like the machine guns. <laughs> OK, machine so guns basically anything other than pistols or rifles, like, rifles are basically trash in this. Gotcha. Game. So I, what happened was in my experiences with just those machine gun and the pistol, I made an assumption of, OK, machine gun has attack 40. It, had, it hits eight, five times. So that must be how the attack works, you know, and I just made that assumption and I went forward by saying, screw it, X2 for everything, only on pistol. <laughs> Isn't there, well, a, there's a reload so, mechanic uh, too. You actually came to the conclusion that, that you came to the right conclusion, maybe not for the same reasons, but that that's actually the, the, the general wisdom from what I've seen is that actually pistols are arguably the best weapons in the game uh-huh. because you get that times two, sometimes times three. I prefer times two. And pistols just overall have a higher crit chance than other weapons. Um, So the only downside to them really is the lack of range, but you can make up for that by modding them. So really pistols are going to be your best bet, which again, completely counterintuitive because you'd assume that you're like, oh, I just got a fucking rocket launcher. This is clearly going to be better. And it's it's actually not. No, that shit pissed me off. (laughs) <laughs> I sat there so long to shoot this thing, and I'm like, "Why am I using this when I could just shoot twice with my pistol?" <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, oh I ended up I ended up clearing the game with a rifle. I ended up getting I don't know what fucking model it was, but I ended up getting a a rifle, and I would put on because you could put on different abilities, as we said. I would get the uh, I think I had it either times three or times five, but I also had if you hit it like the shotgun, the spread ability. If you hit one enemy, you would hit mm-hmm. other enemies as well. Yeah, the burst. The burst. That's yes. Good. So yeah, that's that's yeah. how high I did it because it. Already the rifle comes inherently with range and you can put attributes into other things like power. So you don't need to focus on range because you already have it. Yeah, oh, that is a good strategy. Yeah. Yeah. So what I ended up going with, well, actually, before before I go into that, I guess we should expound just a little bit on that equipment system because that in and of itself is an interesting mm-hmm. animal in, in that the way that it handles this in this game is you end up getting tool items um, and they are somewhat limited um, or at least they drop infrequently where you have to use a tool in order to move stats from one piece of equipment over to another one and the one that you move the stats off of gets consumed in the process so you kind of like have to make this determination of do i want to keep this or don't i and in addition to that Weapons generally have mod slots on them, and some of them come with mods already installed. And you can move the mods off and put them in your, you know, the weapon you're using, assuming it has an open slot for it. Um, there's also super tools which allow you to move things over without destroying the item, but those are actually incredibly rare. And also, I found out randomly drop, so that's neat. Huh. So if if you get a good grasp of that system you can build a really kick-ass gun and set of armor that basically make you unstoppable and so what i ended up going with is i i I used the m8000 pistol that you get from the t-rex boss which is somewhat towards the end of your normal playthrough of the game 
Uh, it has four slots on it. Uh, you have to unlock one of the slots, but you can do that back at the police station. And I ended up moving all of my stats that I had been building up up to that point onto that one. Plus, I slotted it with, let's see, what do I have on there? Uh, quick draw, which gives you a high chance of starting uh, a combat scenario just with your ATB bar full. Command times two, which lets you make two actions per round. Uh, the burst ability from the shotgun, so it has an AOE effect. And I threw a times two on it because it starts as just a times one, which is fine. Like a one shot is fine, but I wanted that extra 20% damage. So I threw a times two on there. So basically that means every round I'm taking four shots with that extra 20% damage bonus plus the burst. So it basically wrecks shit is what I'm saying. So putting a times two on the AIM 8000 makes it shoot four times? Uh, well, no, it makes it shoot twice, but I had the command times two mod on it. So I get to do, I go twice per round. Mm -hmm. You get to make multiple. Gotcha. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I, I would like to say too, but, and I do want to talk about the boss fights real quick is, do you notice how it seems like square tried to implement like this rationing of your like items, like ammo and just horrendously failed? <laughs> man i was maxed at 999 bullets for like at least half the game <laughs> at, the, at the beginning of the game it feels like they want to go the survival horror route and be like hey you got to save your ammo hey you got to save these healing items you got to do a lot of inventory management and your inventory starts out tiny at the beginning of the game oh, and yeah. as you gain levels yeah it gets bigger but i'm thinking to myself when i when i started the game like oh shit i'm gonna have to do a lot of item management i'm not gonna get a ton of ammo so i'm gonna know when i have to use my um parasite energy abilities which for the most part and shane will probably back this up are outside of maybe three of them are useless but <laughs> i'm yep. gonna have to use my parasite energy in order to supplement my ammo and balance this out no by the time you're done by Central Park, which I think is the second dungeon, you have more ammo than you know what to fucking do with. And every single one of your ammo is just ammo. It can go to any gun. It's not specific. So it doesn't even really matter. Like, there's there's no... Yeah, it's just generic yeah. bullets. <laughs> there's no tension with no, it. Except yeah, rockets. Yeah, yeah with, yeah, with rockets. the exception of rockets. Although I think technically <laughs> the grenade launcher uses bullets, which is hilarious. It does. But. It does. There's, there's yeah, no differentiation between any of the weapons in terms of ammo. So I just feel like that was a huge misstep or maybe a good benefit. But if that was their intention was to build tension by saying you have to manage your uh, ammo and your inventory and be smart about it. Wow. Did they fuck that up? I mean, you know how much Sakaguchi loves putting items everywhere. Play Blue Dragon like, if you don't if you don't believe what Tiger's saying. Oh my God, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, how many times do I have to just run everywhere and just push A every time I move? Which you really can't do in Parasite Eve because then you just end up tap dancing. So, <laughs> if you were doing it like I'm doing it, you tap dance. So I was like, well, I guess I can't do that. Uh, um, while we're on this items talk. Can we just say that, yes, that is what they did is they, they just put a crap load of items. And as a result, you know, every time you're at a scene where it's like, hey, I want to give you this. <laughs> your, your inventory is full. <laughs> that your was bag half is of so my full. experience in this freaking game. Like, oh, yep. uh, just come back and get it from me later because your inventory is full. <laughs> oh, Dude, yeah. I, I, oh. 
Uh, yeah, no. So I already am not a huge fan of like extremely limited inventory spaces that <laughs> when games do that, I fucking hate it. Cause I'm just like, just let me pick shit up. Um, but like that combined with the fact that they were just like the Oprah of like items in this game where they're just like, you get a medicine and you get a medicine. Everybody gets a medicine. And I, I like, yeah, by the time you got through most of Central Park, I was already just discarding healing items because I was just like, well, fucking I don't what do I do with all of this? I don't right. know. And your and your parasite and, energy just replenishes on its own anyway. So it's it's not like you have to right. manage that either. Right. And OK, so uh, sticking with the inventory thing for just a second, uh, I, I also want to just note because again, this is another counterintuitive thing that this game does. If if you're not going to go into the new game plus mode of this game, which is called EX round, by the way, and we'll get to that in a minute, then this is largely irrelevant to you. Uh, but if you are going to go and replay the game again, one of the things that you actually like super don't want to do is put the bonus points that you gain for leveling up into expanding your inventory or your attack speed, like your two character intrinsic abilities, because that shit does not carry over into new game. Plus you lose all of those points. Wow. And don't tell me that. Yeah. And so, so that's why, and again, you'd think like, Oh, I should do that because man, my inventory sucks and they're giving me all this shit. So let me drop some of my points into that. Uh, but no, it's a waste. So if you wanted to optimize that, you really should be throwing those into just upgrading your guns and armor instead, because those do carry over. Fun fact. <sighs> Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> it's a little too late now. But speaking of like, yeah, so that was another part. The the bonus points that you get uh, well after you level up and uh, like, I don't know. Is it just when you level up, you get bonus points? It is it is nice that you can use that to uh, upgrade uh, your your item, your inventory spots. And uh, what is it? Does it like a make your active time faster? Yeah. You yeah. Your up? ATB okay. charges faster. Yeah. Gotcha. And then, or, and then you can uh, up your attack powers or defense powers for uh, any of your equipment. So right. um, uh, it's still not enough as far as like item inventory goes. <laughs> Because you still fill that crap up, like it's like literally the extreme opposite of Resident Evil. Like <laughs> you can't find any fucking herbs to fucking heal yourself ever. Versus, hey, you have way too much medicine. You got to get rid of that shit because, or else you won't pick up this awesome ass grenade launcher, <laughs> which right, isn't which so awesome. Then you find out you probably should have kept the medicine because it's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. Now, and like even even the so the stat for uh, your inventory spaces, by the way, is also super weird because the number of your stat has nothing to do with the fucking actual number of slots. That I was you wondering, have. what the fuck is that? <laughs> so I think it's like, by the way, this is a 22 something year old game and people is on it? Game we Facts have, have still time. not figured out the formula for this. Yeah. Um, something like the first 15 levels that you put into it it's a one-to-one i think and then after that the formula just goes off the rails and no one knows what the fuck it's doing (laughs) but basically it maxes out at 99 so if you can get your inventory stat up to 99 you will max out at 46 inventory slots that is the most you will ever have nice even number yeah it's really fucking intuitive but like even at 46 (laughs) you're still just at constant max inventory with how much junk they're like throwing at you that's nuts. Yeah. Uh, any anyone have anything to say about the boss battles? I know that 
there's one I think that I think is really cool, like the, the, the chariot battle with the horse on fire. Yeah, that was that was cool. So most of the boss battles I actually thought were pretty pretty interesting at, at least the the boss designs were were cool i thought you know you had like right. the mutated alligator in the sewers or like the the mitochondrial crab thing in the warehouse and so they were all pretty yeah. neat um but yeah i think the two standouts for me one was definitely the carriage ride in central park just because the fucking flaming horse while you're <laughs> trying to fight eve on a carriage is pretty badass yeah and and, and then the motherfucking t-rex <laughs> i want to say that most of the boss battles were pretty like basic in my I, opinion, I agree because they're all pretty much patterned it's like it's mm-hmm. like mega man bosses yeah that as long as but you figure easy. out how to yeah 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 sure yeah as long as you figure out how to evade you know you just create your own pattern and uh just and do that over and over again so uh the 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 hardest boss for me was the the crab in the mm-hmm. warehouse and i don't know if you guys played it on ex mode but that crab is fucking Ugh! but but then again i didn't have my weapon set up uh probably the best way so it probably is taking me a lot longer to kill it than uh normal yeah yeah i i'm i'm in the chrysler building right now on my ex run i i finished the game up to the t-rex completed the t-rex before the point of no return and then went and started doing the chrysler building um oh boy and uh yeah because of the way that i built out my gear though like it's every every everything is everything is trivial like it (laughs) (laughs) nothing even started giving me a challenge until the the museum actually to be honest with you i I would say that's probably the biggest knock against the boss battles too is just that they're they're more of a they're, they're more unique in their design as an actual design for a boss rather than the way that you approach it. Cause there's not much of a difference in how you approach a boss other than how you would approach a regular enemy. Just shoot it until it dies and heal yourself when you need to. And that's, that's pretty and much run, what you do run throughout the entire like an game idiot. anyway. Yeah. And just hope that they don't hit you while you run with no dodge button. You can't roll like you can in dark souls. <laughs> yep. So you're, you just nope. hope you're in the right place. <laughs> Before we move forward, I know we're getting to the point. Uh, I want to mention that, this game isn't long, but it really shouldn't be as long as it is. And the reason is really? because you run so fucking slow. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so that's that's actually one of the quality of life things that I would prefer that this game had. Or or maybe if they ever decide to do like a, a remake of it or something, I, I would ask that run just be the damn defaults. Because like who's walking? Who is ever walking? <laughs> it's the slowest walk in any game I've ever played. Isn't there even like NPC and speed. not to mention the loudest walk I've ever <laughs> And there's not even a mechanic where you need to game. walk at any point during the game. Like there's nothing that demands that you walk. No. No. No, it's like, when oh, you're we like have a sexy girl hunting to open up a fucking drawer to find a key to open a door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's another gripe. Oh man. Just yep. trying to open a certain doors. You're like, okay, where's that? Where's that? Where's that? Oh my god! Why do the doors not all function the same? Okay, that that super bothered me. Like half the doors, you get within like five feet of the door, and I was just like, oh, you wanted to open this door, and and then like the back. other half of them, you're like, did you stand directly in front of the doorknob? Because otherwise, you ain't getting through this door. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got nice. it. Nice. <laughs> 
That's but, that but that was probably due to the graphical limitations that were happening in 1998. Hey. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So smooth. Which I would say for a game in 1998, this game looks really good. And if you know anything about the history of Square games, you could definitely tell this game was post Final Fantasy VII, but not quite up to Final Fantasy VIII. If you really look at like character models and and CG cutscenes and everything like that. But even with that being said, it is a damn looking good game on the PlayStation for 1998. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the cinematics are of particular note and, and I, somebody might be able to fact check me on this, but I swear I saw it when I was doing some of the like research into the backstory of this game. I am almost a hundred percent certain that they brought in some actual film industry folks to help work on this game. I saw that somewhere and that's why we included it in the brief history, but I think that's evident in how the cinematic cutscenes played out because a lot of the times, you know, cinematics in games, they're like, okay, yeah, they're serviceable. Fine. They're great. But there's like these small little like cinematic touches that really make a huge difference. And it's something I noticed in Parasite Eve, which actually really impressed me was just how they handled things like, you know, transitions where like there's one where you'd transition from zooming into like the headlight of a crashed car and it would slowly transition into like a full moon or just things like that. Yeah. Or like some of the establishing shots um, like when people were evacuating the city and there was just this like one lingering shot of uh, an ice skate like abandoned on the ice rink outside of like the Rockefeller Center or whatever. Just like cool, like artistic things like that, that maybe like game developers wouldn't necessarily think of, but someone who's more into film definitely would. And so I think that lends a lot of like credence to well, the the cinematic you know, scenes in the game. Well, Sakaguchi was a big film buff. I mean, we found that out when, mm. you know, he was, he was, I think, I don't know if he had started making or not, but Final Fantasy of the Spirits Within was, was Sakaguchi. He made that movie, which means he probably shouldn't have been, mm-hmm. but no. <laughs> like, like he was maybe not the best example, but yeah. I, I know, but that he was big into film. He was a big film buff, maybe not as much as Hideo Kojima, but he that they were kind of cut from the same cloth in the way that they wanted to approach video games somewhat, not yeah. not entirely. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, the only other thing that I just wanted to point out on graphics, I mean, because I'll, I'll be honest, for the most part, like the mm-hmm. in-game graphics are what they are. Like it's mm-hmm. it's it's a PSX game, man. But right. the one thing that was somewhat notable was the overworld. I actually really appreciated that. It's really nice. Um, so when you're selecting the areas to go to, you get this really great 3D rendering of the island uh, manhattan area and so i thought that was pretty cool i think that was definitely a step up from something like ff7 so here's here's where i'm gonna bitch a little bit how you bitched about the doors okay this is where i'm gonna sure yeah you know that scene you get done with the boss battle and eve starts melting the people in the fucking airplanes and you need yes. to get off the top of the building and or if you don't get off top oh, off the top of the God. building it's fucking Stop. game over but because this is the PS1 and the backgrounds are pre-rendered, but your character is a fully rendered 3D model, I couldn't tell where to fucking go. I don't even know I'm supposed to get off the fucking building. And then when I did figure out I was supposed to get off the fucking building, I'm like, where's the exit? It's all fucking blurred together and dark. Like, where the fuck am I going? Did 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 you try to jump down the hole that the boss fell into? Because I definitely yeah. tried to do that. Yeah. I don't. That. No. No. I just. I didn't know what to fucking do. I, I tried to run up this. 
I tried to run up the stairs. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a door there. Oh, I can't go through the door. I can't go in the hall. Oh, I hear it coming closer. I wonder what's going to happen. Let's see what happens. <laughs> that's that's the other thing, too, is the whole time you hear the sound of this fucking like jet just slowly getting louder and louder. And you're like, where's the ladder? <laughs> it's in the pre-rendered background. Oh, man. That is actually one of the two times because you actually just reminded me that that was one of the cases. One of the two times I died in my playthrough of this game was that because I could not find how to get the fuck off that roof. And it's not. It's- and just imagine. Imagine playing this in 1998 in which you, you know, you get to watch the video of you flying off the roof. That's nice. Uh, <laughs> and then you have to fight the boss all over again. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hooray. <laughs> yeah, because you can't save after the boss. You can't even open up a menu. It's just like, you got, you got to get off this fucking roof. You can't. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. Which I actually ended up having to do because I forgot to quick save before the boss. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same, <laughs> but but that yeah that's a that's a, and that's a graphical problem. That's not a gameplay problem, but it's a graphical problem that right. led to the gameplay. But but that was 1998. You had pre-rendered backgrounds. Like if you did a fully 3D model of Parasite Eve, you couldn't have done Parasite Eve. It would have been impossible. Yeah, you couldn't have delivered the same yeah. experience. And pre-rendered backgrounds looked good yeah. back then. They still look good now. They look better than a lot of the 3D yeah. modeled environments. Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, I mean, there is there was there was a certain level of artistry that went into those like pre-rendered backgrounds. It's kind of the same argument that could be made for like matte paintings that they used to make for bar- backgrounds in movies back in the day. Same kind of idea. Right. I really think the graphics are still great. I mean, it's obviously dated because it's PS1. Mm-hmm. But like that's like one of the things that I that I liked about what I was yeah, but other than like I guess the characters, like th- that's that's the part that like feels very, very dated. But yeah, like like you were saying, the pre-rendered backgrounds, uh, everything still looks really good. I specifically like the the layouts of, uh, I guess it's very very comparable to Resident Eve, Resident Eve, <laughs> Resident, Resident Eve. Oh, where uh, it's just. Like, and I guess Final Fantasy did the same thing, where it's just the each time you went into a different section, like the camera, it would be a different angle, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and which could be a, a kind of annoying for certain people, like <laughs> pushing left to go in the door, but now you're going down, but you're still holding left. Uh, that 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 actually instances. did bother me a little bit because they yeah. were trying to get all cinematic with their camera angles, like where where Aya would go depending on what button you press, like was different depending on which screen you were on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 definitely did happen, and that was a that was an issue in Final Fantasy VII as well. Yeah. Um. But you know, I I, I like the artsiness of the game, so it kind of uh, even though that the game is old, nineteen ninety eight, the graphics are a little dated. Uh, it still still feels good to yeah. look at. Yeah. Also, <laughs> speaking of that, just before we before we move on, quick shout out to uh the screen right before the bo- uh the boss fight with Shiva. I really appreciated the like angled shot of the hallway, like as you were walking down it. It just it really set the mood. Sweet. You also know, what sets mood is music. It does. <laughs> what do you guys think of the music in this game? It's, uh, I mean, it's good. It's good. Like it sets the tone. It, there it, it is. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I just yeah. don't think it stands out really in in too many ways. But it's like it's competent. It's good. I special note to the Manhattan overworld track because it'd be bumping. But other than that, right. 
Um, you know, it's all right. I don't, I, I don't know how long it really is, but like that shit is ultra looped. Like I feel like <laughs> five seconds, ten seconds max. Oh, but it's good. It's not annoying. So yeah, I guess that's good. <laughs> well, it's the same thing but, that I credited Silent Hill with. Honestly, is that they were they were competent enough to know when to use music and perhaps more importantly, when not to. There were several points in the game where it's just silent and that works really well because that helps to kind of build that tension rather than just having some, you know, intrusive, you know, pulsing soundtrack because it's supposed to be scary or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, I guess you kind of see that they took a... Um, they treated it more like a movie in which, yeah. which uh, is you're not on, really... on brand. It's on brand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I specifically those moments where you're like, we don't know who did it Where well, I do. And then once he said that, like the music starts creeping in like, Oh, <laughs> who is it? <laughs> I think it's, I think it's a good soundtrack too. It came from Yoko Shimomura who did a lot of, you know, popular, music soundtracks like Final Fight, Street Fighter 2, the Kingdom Hearts series at all. So she's she's Oh, I could tell. Yeah, she's done a lot of really <laughs> great soundtracks. This one is is probably on the lower end of my of my preferences for <laughs> the PlayStation 1 Square Enix games though. I, I think if you look at a lot that was of the, a joke. What? What's I that? I couldn't tell. <laughs> oh, you couldn't? Because oh. uh, like this obviously this soundtrack is so much more different than all those other games. You know, yes, it's, it's a lot different. I just, maybe you did. Maybe you could tell. I don't know. I, no, I could not tell. <laughs> yeah, I always think of throwing a Hadouken when fighting a battle. But yeah, I mean, everything's felt appropriate. I, I don't think, I, I think that the composition of the music, clearly you could tell like Square was trying to create a very creepy environment, but knew that players weren't always going to be scared of every little boss encounter. It's just, if you're scared of every single boss encounter, if every single one is scary, then there's too many here to really do that. And the battle system doesn't really assist with it. So I can kind of understand why the, the battle music was almost chill and relaxing and kind of tranquil, even though it was like very electronic. Same with that. Uh, the overworld map was like bumping and electronic, but yeah, I mean, they, the music was placed yeah. appropriately. The music was good. I wouldn't definitely wouldn't put it in the top 10 of, of PS one music. I know there's a lot of people out there that say it would, but again, it's it's serviceable. It does it. It does its job. It does it well. Uh, it just doesn't do anything extraordinary. Well, and here's the other thing: is it's very much a product of its time too. Like the sort of experimental electronica, like dark ambiance thing that it has going on. Like immediately, just makes me think of the Matrix. Yeah, which wow. I, mean, I think this predates it's about the, the same Matrix, time. But yeah, it was around the same time. Yeah, just right around that era. Yeah. Absolutely. Speaking of, I, I do. I will say uh, the boss music pretty bumping oh oh and since since we're on sound because you know there's yeah. also sound in this game <laughs> uh is there um the the sound oh yeah you know the sound of footsteps a lot of that's them. like the the standout mm -hmm. sound for me <laughs> just high heels on a tin roof the whole time <laughs> i will say this game that's all i have to say about sound <laughs> i will say this game would have benefited a lot with some voice acting like, like when, when like purposefully bad voice acting or yeah, like when Daniel yeah. Barrett and Aya Cloud are talking, I would love to hear what Barrett and Cloud are <laughs> they, they sound like. I think the I mean what during this time frame though the though like what voice acting was done? Resident Evil. Oh, did they have voice acting? I don't remember. Yeah, 
Oh, okay. Well, it's, it's pretty famous. bad, so it's, I, don't, I didn't infamous. want that. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> but that would be perfect. I want the B-movie. I want the B-movie voice acting Jill in a game like this. sandwiches, Tiger. <laughs> the mitochondria I mean, I did like is the Gex, powerhouse guess, but... of the cell. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. It would have set the tone a little better. Got it. <laughs> Maybe Square knew that and didn't do that for that reason, but... I can't imagine how big of a cult game Parasite Eve would have been if they had that voice acting in there. I, I, my word, man, I think it would be something special. <laughs> yeah, special, all right. Anyway, let's talk about some fun facts about this game. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess without running too much longer, I did want to touch on it again because we said we were going to and then we kind of got caught up in other things like how much doors suck or whatever uh but the the ex round in this game is is something that you can do uh it's it's basically a new game plus um so once you finish your your first playthrough you are allowed to save your game after you see the credits roll and then you see a nice little gold ex stamp on your save file uh, which then means that you can play through the story again, but you get to keep a few things. So at the end of the game, uh, Wayne, your trusty uh, police assistant who has been helping you to store all of your amassed unnecessary items, as well as modifying your weapons and armor, uh, shows up and says, hey, man, you've done such a great job. I'm a monogram some shit for you. And so, you know, just like a things remembered at the mall, Wayne will then take uh, one gun and one piece of armor and will <laughs> name it whatever you want. And whichever ones you pick are the ones that carry over with you into your new game plus. And so if you had built those out uh, in an effective sort of way, you basically wreck shit for like 90% of your EX run. but. So I, I guess experiences are going to vary wildly, largely dependent on how you kind of built your gear, I think is the real factor there. Or if you, like some people, apparently dumped a lot of their bonus points into inventory expansion, which does not carry over. Uh, but by and large, the the EX round is, is actually not that much more difficult than your first go through. Uh, at least from what I've seen. Uh, and, and I've played through, like I said, up to almost the end. And then they have basically their version of a near infinite dungeon sort of scenario called the Chrysler building, which has 70 floors uh, that you can fight through. So that's kind of their new game content, I guess, which is also funny because this game is two discs and you don't swap discs until you're like three quarters of the way through the game. So you're like, what else is on disc two? It's it's pretty much the the Chrysler building. That's that's what it is. And in big old movies. Yeah, yeah I, I guess I you're about too. to say a different I think about you say a different word based off your first experience of the game. But yes, movies. Those they are need big all old those movies. bits for them tiggle bitties. T tickled movies. Tickled movies. Tickled movies, Shane. Big bouncing movies. That's right. Large gelatinous films. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so the, the the Chrysler building thing, just for the record, on paper, I like the idea of a game uh, having this sort of setup where it's like, OK, you've got this built character. Now go 
challenge yourself in this like you know tower dungeon or whatever and see how far you can get a lot of action rpgs do that because it lends themselves very well to that sort of setup this game also tries to do that like i said it's 70 floors it's not infinite uh however every floor is randomly generated which is kind of cool how but the problem that i have is that in my mind i thought that the chrysler building setup was going to be a lot like take the museum for example it's a lot of largely open like rooms that you can explore. And I thought it was going to be a bunch Aww. of rooms that were randomly generated and connected to each other that you run through. Uh, that is not the case. Oh, it is 70 floors of randomly generated hallways. Ew. <laughs> uh, that also. So is are... Final Fantasy 10. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it, 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 it's that. It's like the sequence in FF7 with like Cloud and Barrett and somebody else just like running forever up a staircase. It's that, but if you play it. So that sounds awful. The problem though, yeah, it's not great. It's not great. The problem is that like because it's randomly generated and there's zero map in this game whatsoever, you don't know where you're going. And so you end up hitting a lot of dead ends before you actually find the stairs to the next level. And it's very clear that there's like four or five different tiles that they chose to randomly generate and so you just keep coming across the same hallways over and over again and once in a while you'll get a random fight i mean each level has a storage room you need to find that has like three or four chests in it with a bunch of like really good shit and that's really the motivation to do it um and also every 10 levels there's a boss and so if you beat the boss those 10 levels are then clear forever nothing respawns and you get an elevator key which will allow you to use the elevator to basically bring you back to that point whenever you want and so you can progress your way all the way up to level 70 and kind of do it that way but in theory it's a neat idea but the way that they implemented it is just like really tedious i no, think they tedious. like needed a way to add more gameplay <laughs> Well, and that's and, what like, it this is. This was their way. Yeah. yeah, this is their way of doing it. And I'm not going to fault them on that because that's why a lot of games end up doing this sort of thing with like the infinite tower or or whatever because it's something that introduces potentially a lot of replayability with very minimal, you know, development time and resources invested into it. So I get it. And if it's done well, it's actually not bad and can be fun and can be challenging, but honestly, this is not a great implementation of it right at the end of the at the end of the tower though you get to fight her sister yeah you get the the super secret actual ending yeah you get to kill her sister who's apparently not dead yeah or something i don't know i've never done it i didn't i didn't have the motivation to do it so anyway. that was a lot of me talking about the ex mode but anybody else right. want to touch on any other miscellany before we wrap things up uh so this is originally a Final Fantasy VII was a designed to be, and Xenogears fans don't scream at me. I know there's a Final Fantasy story in that game too, but this is the one. This is the concept where you had hot blooded Jack as a detective in New York City. So I think you can figure out the direct correlation there. So that this this is essentially the game that Sakaguchi scrapped to make Final Fantasy VII. This is the direction he was headed. Not saying gameplay wise, but at least setting wise, character wise, I think you could look at Daniel and you could say he was originally hot blooded Jack. Uh, based on what was been released about uh, the the concept of Final Fantasy VII before they really started working on it. 
Also, I like what Shane mm-hmm. put here. Uh, the author of the novel that they based it off of was not informed of the plot until the game was done, which is interesting. Yep. But the author did like it. Yeah. Turned out he was super into it. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah, it is good. Never released in PAL regions. So we would like to apologize to our pals, but not really. We just we laugh at you because we do that. But then again, you got Terranigma and we didn't. So there it is. You get there. So that. if we call them pals, do they call us nuts? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but that's for different reasons. This was Squaresoft's first ever M-rated game. Yeah. Yeah. Not their last. They, but, you know, they should not have made Dirge of Cerberus. But that's part of it, I think. Unless that's a T. I don't know. <laughs> But they should have made it anyway. Now Orton's going to have something to say about this. (laughs) So I think that's all we got for just random, random shit, random facts. So we are going to now roll into, does this game hold up today? That's how we're going to wrap up this episode is talking about whether or not the game holds up today. I think you have a pretty good idea of where we're all at. But just in case anything's different, Shane, how about you kick it off? Sure. Uh, So overall, I, I obviously enjoyed the game enough to play it effectively twice and i don't normally do that especially nowadays with the limited amount of time that i have to spend on on games uh once i finish something i need to move on to whatever the next thing is in my backlog but i think because of the relative you know briefness or brevity i suppose of the game as a whole like my first playthrough according to my save file was just shy of like 13 hours i think to me, I this is actually why I was surprised that Tiger mentioned this, because to me, I actually felt like I finished the game and was left wanting to play it more. Um, and so that's why I was kind of motivated to go through and play the EX round, because I was like, you know what? I, I enjoyed myself, but I felt like I didn't get enough. So fuck it. I'll play it again. And so then I so far, I've put another, I think, eight or nine hours into the EX round. So, you know, overall, I'm over. 20 something hours into the game and and I've enjoyed my time with it. Like do we have some gripes and qualms? Sure, of course. And we've kind of enumerated a lot of those, but overall I I definitely still think it it holds up, especially for a game of this era where we've said many many times on the show that this sort of first generation of 3D polygonal graphics tend to age very very poorly. This one kind of escaped that fate much better than a lot of its contemporaries. So I don't think you'll necessarily be super turned off by the dated graphics. And, and overall it's, it is an enjoyable experience. And if for nothing else, you need to at least see the batshit crazy B movie horror plot that it's got going on, because that (laughs) is like worth the price of admission alone. So stupid. It's great. All right. I'll take it next. I'll let tiger close this one out. Um, I'm going to say that this is this is probably a better game today than how it was received in 1998, or at least how Teenage Me received it in 1998. Most because Teenage Me in 1998 wanted a 60, 70 hour game. Now, if you heard what I said in the intro to our episode today about Ogre Battle, you go back and play a lot of these games of that era that are 60, 70 hours And they just get to a point where they kind of overstay their welcome. So having a game that is 10 to 14 hours long, that has an enjoyable, interactive, somewhat fast-paced battle system, graphics that are a complete dumpster fire to look at, and the fact you can play it with an analog (laughs) controller because the DualShock was out and it's DualShock compatible, this this makes it a very easy game to go back to. It definitely holds up. It's a good time. There's no real 
glaring flaws with it that that will irritate the shit out of you. And it's just overall a good time. I would I would highly recommend if you got 10 hours and you like PS1 games, go fire this one up. You're going to you're going to appreciate it. How about you, Tiger? Okay, so I will say that ultimately I really wanted to give this a uh, not recommended. Um, really? Mm-hmm. Mainly yeah, mainly because in this the way I experienced this game a few days ago is pretty much like Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is a random like game, I know. But uh, I did not like the experience in the beginning. I mean, the story, I think all in all, if you enjoy the story, the storytelling and like are just completely like into the, the plot, then you're going to like this. I, I think if if you hear the plot of this and that already makes you interested in the game, then this is for you. Definitely. Minus the story, the slow walking really kills me. Like the slow running, the slow walking. <laughs> yeah, I can uh, see that. I think it, 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 having the the time constraints uh, that I had, like I only have so much time to do this. So like, let's do this. Like you need to, it's only a 10 hour game, but there are moments in that game where you're just like, there are so many places to go and you're going there so slow that it's almost frustrating <laughs> and and you uh you add in the the parts where you're trying to hit doors and they're just not hitting uh you're trying to find a certain key but it's in a certain drawer and you can't tell that you can open drawers unless you're just clicking everywhere these are the the annoyances that i had uh, with this game in the beginning once i got through a lot of the game and then the plot started developing uh it got way better. It got way more interesting. And I think ultimately it's a great game, but like getting past those things, uh, I think it would have helped if I had like some sort of emulator that sped things up. So with that, I would say again, into the story, uh, interested in this sci-fi sciency. Oh man. I had to like Wikipedia, a lot of that crap, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm like, yo, mitochondria have their own like genetic makeup. Let me look that shit yeah. up. Look, they look, sure they, fucking do. They were like, preparing you. They were preparing you for Final Fantasy 13. Oh, oh, yeah. I don't know anything about that game. Oh, but uh, <laughs> Shane knows what I'm saying. All right. So uh, I think with that, we are about reaching the conclusion of our discussion of Parasite Eve. So. We'll do uh, we'll do some of our our plugs real quick as we are want to do. So if you are listening to this, then that means that you have found us. So hi, hello, welcome. Uh, if you'd like to engage with us and our burgeoning little community that we've got going on, we would love to have you. And so our Discord is public, so you can join in on the conversation and uh, post gamer memes and talk shit with us whenever you want by heading over to uh, bit.ly slash RHP chat. And if for some crazy banana pants reason you want to become a patron and support the show in that fashion, we would be uh, most appreciative. And you can check that out by going to bit.ly slash RH patron. And Chris, would you like to talk a little bit about our stream Sundays? Yeah, come to our Sunday streams at twitch.tv slash retro hangover come over there hang out it's a great time our patrons show up lyle shows up and harasses us and makes fun of us for no reason other than the fact he's lyle and i act stupid a lot and that (laughs) is validated 
And it's it's a really good time, y'all. We need you there, and just just to make every interaction better. And I we would love to see you there. Twitch.tv Sunday nights, nine p.m. Eastern time. That's that's where it is. Okay. And uh, Tiger, as always, we uh, we we enjoy having you here with us. And actually, I believe this is a first because you typically are the Nintendo host. But now that you're <laughs> here for this, I don't. I what what I don't. What do we call, we call you, now? you now? I don't know. Yo, so like, let me let me just say this real quick. Uh, I realized today, or not today, yesterday, that. Uh, I had a friend that wanted me to name like the top 10 games of the previous generation. And I was like, all right, so PS4, Xbox, I went through my PS4 trophy list and I realized that I have only pretty much really played through two total PS4 games. (laughs) Uh, Wow. Amplitude and Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, And that really shows how much I play PlayStation uh, I did, I did, and then Xbox were like a few games as well, but, um, I'm definitely, uh, the Nintendo guy, but, uh, you know, every now and then you guys will hit something from my childhood that, yeah, I did do, I did do that. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd be happy to, uh, come on and share my experiences, even though I didn't really have any experiences, but I had a memory. So it, uh, it, uh, it influenced me to play this game a few days ago. So I appreciate that, you guys. Uh, so we'll still and, call you the Nintendo host then. Subtle. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the title stands. And I can be found on Twitter at LPTiger, T-Y-G-E-R. Excellent. <laughs> also, really quick before we wrap that up, just want to shout out because they've been giving us shout outs in their episodes. So I'm just going to reciprocate the appreciation. Check out the Secret Levels podcast and the Region Free Gamers podcast. Uh, both friends of the show. So go ahead they're on everything go check them out they're just as offensive as we are if not more so especially secret levels so you'll love them absolutely and uh with all of that being said until next time play with your frozen sperm joysticks dig old bitties gross Shane here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee. And Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part? No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four-ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you, or jump in headfirst with full 12-ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash rhpbones. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash R-H-P-B-O-N-E-S.